0: Good morning, this is Tom Clark, Papa Tom with the Father's Heart Media and the Father's Heart Podcast and Papa Tom's Tales. I have with me this morning a good friend of mine named Jordan Shimon, sounds a little bit uh, Hebrew there, Jordan, Jordan Shimon, he's, Might a, be. he's a pastor of New Song Church, and uh, Jordan and I go back a number of years, he's uh, a young man, but he's... Uh, Got a few gray hairs there on the side of his head, and uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, married, and he's got four children, three children going on the fourth. Yes, trying to catch up with Papa Tom, but yeah. I don't know if he to make it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a beautiful wife named Kelsey, and uh, we want to talk today about uh, the father's heart with respect to connecting to our destinies, yeah, and how the impact of our fathers, both our natural fathers and God the Father. Has uh, a tremendous effect on us being able to find our destinies, our callings, and our destinies. Yeah. And we want to talk about that subject before we do. Though I think it's important that we uh, uh, pray a second and just uh, give the Lord thanks, Father. I want to thank you for um, the audience that's tuning into this. And I pray, Lord God, that Your Spirit will move through this conversation I'm having with Jordan. And that it will uh, touch the hearts of people in all the right ways, and that you'll reveal truth to them that they didn't mm-hmm. understand before, so that the takeaway that they would have from this podcast will mm-hmm. bless them, and that they would be a, uh, we would impart to them mm-hmm. your love to them, and that they would in turn be able to impart your love to others. Yeah, and we pray this in the mighty name of Yeshua Elohim. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you t- audience, you, you stole
1: all my thunder. Um, you know, my my biggest thunder on a, on a father's podcast is that I'm a father. Um, but yeah, married for a little over a decade now, and uh, three beautiful children. Uh, my seven year well, soon to be seven year old daughter Jovi yeah. is um, is full of life, and um, she's uh, her name means joyful victory, and she's just exactly what her name means. You do have good-looking kids, I must say. Yeah, we do have good-looking kids. That makes it makes it makes it it's it's a love-hate relationship I have with that. You know, it's it's great but hard to punish. You know, yeah. they look at you and you're like, oh, okay, whatever, just have whatever you want. Um, well, which you're is, married to a
0: beautiful woman, so it
1: must come from that side. It must, it must come from that <laughs> side. They don't, they don't get their good looks, they get their <laughs> poor behavior from dad. They get their good looks and their good behaviors from mom. Always saying hundred seventy-five. Yes, and then I've got two boys, my sons of thunder um, which is very funny because the first one, we, we totally planned on having Zalus, um, which means the zeal of the Lord. And, um, and then my third, my, my, my second boy was a total accident, baby, a oops, baby. And, um, I'll I never forget, Kelsey thought she had the, she had the flu and it just kept going on. It was like week two of like, the flu. And Mm -hmm. she looked at me and she kind of gave me this look and I didn't really know what the look was in the moment, but she went upstairs one morning after we had coffee to, 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 to take a a pregnancy test and not tell me. And all I heard from down from upstairs as I was sitting on the couch was, uh, babe, (laughs) it's positive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's positive. And she's like, babe, the pregnancy test I just took. (laughs) She didn't even know how to preface it, but well, as soon as I said it, I had this overwhelming feeling of like, oh, my gosh, Lord. And as soon as I said that, I heard uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm giving you sons of thunder. And I said, you are mm-hmm. pregnant and we're having another boy, babe. And she was like, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the Lord just spoke. And yeah. so, yeah, sure enough, let, uh, about eight months later, we had uh, Isra, our third born. That's mm-hmm. short. Um, his name's not Israel, but it's the derivative of the word Israel. What it's that Isra. Mean? It means uh, it means a, a, a free man. Oh, yeah. Like my middle name, Francis. It's it, it. free. Does it? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Francis could be Frank. Yeah. Free. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, he uh, he was born right before the 4th of July, and so it was all, everything all came into alignment with him, and um, and now we're pregnant with uh, our fourth, and uh, it's another boy, and so Lennox will be joining the world here in the next couple How of weeks. How do you know it's another boy? Uh, we, we know. I checked. I checked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not prophetically, just faithfully. no. This one, this one, we were both really up in the air about both of us. We had no idea what we were having, and um, Kelsey and I, um, because she's had three babies, and we've we've you know been able to document her uh, pregnancies via Instagram and via pictures. Mm-hmm. I looked at her body and I was like, "You're carrying a boy. Look at the two pictures of the previous pregnancies. It's just it's a body with a bump. Right. Um, <laughs> she doesn't gain any weight, so she but just, What does the word
0: Lennox mean? name
1: Lennox uh it's actually really interesting so Lennox um means unity um unity unity Mm -hmm. yeah and um it it, it, it's um it's a hill it's called a it's a knoll of um elm trees is what the name Lennox actually means Mm -hmm. and elm trees are um gifts in war for unity and for peace Mm -hmm. and so um it means like a, a hill of unity um, is what, is what the name means. And, uh, his, his middle name will mean friendship. So it'll, it'll mean unity through friendship.
0: My dad used to work for Lennox China. Really? I don't know what it was. Yeah. It's a, it's a premium brand of China. Yeah. But I, I feel like it, it was elm trees. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Maybe. it's a knoll of elm trees. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the name Lennox means. i realizing how pregnant Kelsey's been getting. And it just reminded me of my own mom. Uh, my, uh, I grew up in an Irish Catholic family up in Long Island. Yeah. And uh, my mother was pregnant twelve out of seventeen years. <sighs> so growing up, I only saw a pregnant woman. Wow! I mean, to this day, I love pregnant women. Yeah. I mean, I said, oh, so I saw yeah. women who—my mom was pregnant. Was it. <laughs> but I have a couple of stories I can tell you beside, because it's important to appreciate this. I kept one time I asked my dad, you know, why was mommy getting pregnant all the time? <clears> and she said, "Well, your mother couldn't count." I said, "Couldn't count?" I said. Well, back way, way back in the day, <laughs> it was the um, the Irish Catholic way of uh, contraception. You mm-hmm. would count the days in a woman's cycle. So I think it was something like a 28 days a cycle, and a, right. somewhere between the 12th and the 14th day, it was ovulation. Right, ovulation. So you had to stay away from oh, having sex. my goodness! 12, so I, my father said she just couldn't count. So I was wondering whether my mother was that poor in math. Well, she's just overcommon passion at a 12th or 14th that you she didn't care. Right? <laughs> but in any case, the Irish form of uh, contraception didn't work.
1: No, no. <laughs> it never worked. I know a couple of people that that, that, that method has not worked for as well. So uh, very funny. Very funny. But yeah, so family of three, soon to be four, uh, four kids. And uh, we live in Washington, D.C. We've been there for 10 years. We live about six minutes from the capital. In the city. In the city, yeah. We live right in southeast D.C. Wow. And uh, it's been... Uh, it's in been, the hood. It, yeah. Technically, yeah. In uh, in uh, in Anacostia, mm-hmm. um, which has been an incredible opportunity for us as a family uh, to live mm-hmm. in the city. And we've moved our way around it in, over the last 10 years, living in three of the four quadrants. Mm-hmm. And, um, Did you have to dodge any bullets? Ah uh, no, not necessarily, but you know it is d c yeah
0: <laughs> all right, so we want to also talk about today um some things the Lord has showed you uh through your natural father and also God the Father with respect
1: to your destiny, yeah,
0: can you share a little bit with the audience about uh
1: yeah, I, you thoughts? know i wish i I wish I could say that all of this came you know before I was in ministry and before I felt called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it didn't, it happened about a month ago. And so
0: recently, yeah, it
1: was about a month ago. I I really had an incredible time.
0: Yeah.
1: I had a really incredible time with the Lord. Um, I was in Moravian Falls, North Carolina.
0: I know that as I've been
1: there. Yeah. It's a, it's a real, um, I don't know. Somebody described it to me as an open heaven. And um, I didn't really believe them in the moment, and then I went there and experienced it for myself. And sure enough, it's an open heaven. See any angels? Um, I didn't, but definitely I felt a, a bunch of angelic activity while we were there, and um, had some really profound encounters with the Lord and some really profound yeah. dreams. But um, I was there with Darby Slayton. Yeah, and we stayed at Bobby Connors.
0: I know Darby. Yeah, he, I know Darby. We rented Bobby Connors house.
1: Awesome. Awesome, yeah. It was a it was a fun time, and um, I was down there for a men's retreat, and uh, you know, it was the most crazy thing. I stepped into a room full of of, of powerful people, and um, powerful what sense? All different kinds of sense. Some in ministry, some in business, some uh, business owners. Some of them in sales. It was it was the more um, it was a more eclectic bunch than I've ever been to, you know, most pastoral retreats for people that are pastors, you tend to walk into a room and the whole room's pastors, right? And then you've got the super pastor who is kind of quote unquote hosting the event. And, um, you know, I was told going in that this is just a really different experience. And so I was really you know excited because I've been to my fair share of men's retreats and pastoral retreats and things along that line. And I was really excited for what everybody had described to me. as just different. And, uh, after about 24 hours, I had a really large insight as to what was going on that was so different for from all the others that I had been to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were in the midst of worship, and uh, the Lord said to me, Jordan, you're safe to be yourself here. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks, Lord. You know, you just kind of, it didn't make sense to me. But at the same time, I kind of knew what he was saying, like, hey, I want you to be you. I don't want you to just hide behind this, like, you don't know anybody here thing. And I was like, but why can I be that? And he said, open your eyes. And so I began to look around the room and he said, what do you see? And I said, well, I kind of see a real unassuming bunch of, of people that are all on a spiritual retreat. Mm-hmm. And he said, but do you see anybody not being themselves? And I said, no, not really. In fact, everybody that I've met has been, you know, real genuine mm-hmm. and um, authentic to, to really, you know, you don't really feel like they're just like, they're not, they're not BSing you. It's is really what it felt like. No. And he said, do you know why? And I said, no. And he said, because the man that's invited you here has the heart of a father. There you go. And I said, what? And as soon as I said, what, I got sucked into this incredible encounter with the Lord, where he just began to heal my heart from a lot of really intense father wounds that, you know, I, I wish I could sit back and blame those fathers. You know, it, it, it's, you know. It, when you
0: use the word, those fathers, you use the plural. Yeah.
1: You're not referring to your natural father. No, 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 no. They're more spiritual fathers than anything. And, and I guess that, um, you know, I didn't really have this conversation with the Lord, but in the midst of this, this time with the Lord, I felt like I was just engulfed in the love of the Father. Mm-hmm. And um I describe it like this. I had a dream when I was 13 years old where I had 106 fever and I was hallucinating. And um, you know, it
0: You were dreaming that or I,
1: I, I was dreaming it, but it was like I was laying in bed and I knew I was awake, but I knew I was burning up and um my dad had given me medicine. But until the medicine kicked in, like I had this like hallucinogenic feeling like I was falling from a building. And I remember thinking in the, in the in this hallucination, I'm flipping and I don't know which if I'm falling up or if I'm falling down. And it was the weirdest feeling. And in the midst of this encounter with the Lord, that's the only way I could describe it. I felt like I was flipping and everything was chaotic around me, but I didn't know if I was moving upwards or if I was moving downwards. And so I was kind of like, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord said to me, Jordan... He said, if there's chaos ensuing all around you, there's only one place you need to be. And I said, where? And as soon as I said where, the Lord showed me a picture of John, the disciple of Jesus, with his head on his chest. And I literally said to the Lord, oh, my goodness. And he says to me, Jordan, John didn't ever need to hear my son say, when you see me, you see the father. He knew the safest place in the midst of all of the chaotic conversation that was going on amongst, you know, the last Days of Jesus, where he's like, I'm not gonna be with you all the time. You know, he's making these crazy anxiety building statements like, where I'm going, you can't come. But when they do, you'll come after. And they're like, where is he going? It just this 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 tense, this, this intense aspect is building in the ministry of Jesus. And John is just chaos ensuing all around him. Somebody's gonna betray me, all of these things. And John's like just linked to the heart of of Jesus, mm. because he knows it's the heart of the Father. So that's what God showed you. And so I literally, in a moment, felt my head just kind of like rest up against the heart of the Lord. And when I did that, I didn't feel like everything around me stopped flipping, but I stopped caring. Right. And so the chaos wasn't affecting me because of where I was placed. Mm. And so in this moment with the Lord, though, I felt like just so much healing kind of come over me because... I started to have all of these thoughts with the Lord. Like, Lord, why did this person do this? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? And, uh, and the Lord said to me something so profound. He said, it's because you've never actually let me be your father, Jordan. Oh. You've always looked for somebody to be me, but in a tangible sense. Yeah. And so what you've done is you've placed yeah. all of these unhealthy expectations on these men to open doors for and you. They or, couldn't ever they, do they could never Because only the Lord can determine your steps, right? He's the only one that can open a door and keep it open. When we open it, we have to keep it open. Or when a man opens it, he has to keep it open for you. And so really what I experienced, all of this hurt and pain from all these fathers was all all Mm self-induced. Just because I had never truly let the Lord love me the way he wants to love all of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it became this one of is these... A great
0: message for a podcast. This is, this is <laughs> hitting it right on my head.
1: I mean, it became one of these things where I like, I, I, in this moment, I came out with like a fresh sense of purpose and destiny and calling because really up until this point, I, I don't want to say like, you know, I don't want to say I was a part-time father because I've, I've never been a part-time dad. And, you know, for any of you out there that are like, you know, dealing with a difficult dad, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, bring up any pain or anything like that. But I, I had a good father growing up, he was around. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a good dad. He loved us. Well, he loved all my three brothers and sisters. So there's four of us. And, um, and, you know, he was always around, but like, it was different. You know, my parents got divorced when I was in elementary school. So like, dad wasn't always in the house. And so really what I've noticed about myself and the way that I father and the way that I parent is, is that I'm, when I'm present, I'm present, I'm in it. But when I'm away, I kind of almost relinquish my duties because, all right, mom's got it. is with the kids, blah, 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 blah. And it became one of these things where it's not about just the action of a father. It's also the heart of the father that sets an atmosphere for children to be themselves. Hmm. You know, when you were speaking before, I
0: had a thought come to me that was saying that uh, when this thing was spinning around mm-hmm. you and you had a, you came to a place of rest in him. Yeah. Pressed against his heart, or his rest like John did with Jesus. Yeah. You were also saying like what was coming across was all these expectations you put mm. on these other men who yeah. wanted to be fathers. There was this sense of striving going on. Yes. Like you're striving and striving, and, and they couldn't uh, live up to what you expected on them. Right. But you're trying to get something from them. They couldn't give. And when they couldn't give, and you strolled to do something else, and right. God was giving you sense of teaching, hey, George, you
1: don't have to strive. Right. It's not about that. And isn't that the atmosphere of the father? Right. right. And it's so interesting because, you know, you begin to notice the behavior in your children where they're beginning to compete for your adoration and for your attention, especially. I mean, I've got three kids under six, six and under. So it's not like we're dealing with a 15 year old and a five year old. It's not like I can look at the 15 year old and be like, stop acting like your five year old brother. When I look at my six year old, i will be like, stop acting like your." five-year-old brother it doesn't make much sense because yeah. they're so close in age and so natural competition for my attention and all those things it it, it it goes to show you that like when you don't create the atmosphere no one's at ease mm-hmm. you know what? not even your children they right. even feel the 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 they're the, striving for your love exactly You're they're there they recognize the tension of dad's only available for a certain amount of time And so because we know dad leaves and when he leaves, his love goes with him, I need to get as much of it as I can when he's present with me. And so isn't that the way we've, you know, we've treated the father. Right? We perceive the Lord as like, Oh well, I I I I've allotted this time for the Lord to love me in the morning or on Sundays or at the encounter worship night that we go to. We've we've set aside our time and so we compete for the Lord's attention in that space. Like, oh Lord, please, I just I need this encounter, I need to feel you, I need to know your present, I need to know you're with me. And he's like he's like, Oh, that that's actually not at all how I am. Like I'm always with you. The atmosphere that I create, even though it might not be a a, a daddy daughter date or a a father son trip to a ball game, you know it it's uh, it's always present and always available. Exactly. And so it became you know a really healing thing for me because so much of really what we're called to, especially for I mean I think all of us are called to. How did that affect your calling and your perception? Consciously yeah. of your destiny. I mean, I came in with this sense that like so much of the um the rat race of comp of accomplishment is so just falls to the wayside when you just get to understand that like you're accepted, you're loved, you're fulfilled. Now my job is just genuinely my destiny and calling is to just make people feel accepted and love and at peace. And in this whole sense of like just creating the father's atmosphere, because what we truly want from people is not a performed version of themselves. Right. We want them to be authentically themselves. Sure. Even if that's a crappy person right now, I'd rather have you be a crappy person and be that authentic junk. Authentic, crappy person. Yeah. Than try to be a person that's just faking being in a good mood because putting on a mask. right. Yeah. Putting on a mask and, and not being genuine because A father, you know, we usually can feel through those things. I can always feel when my kids are actually not really doing well. But what it does is it blocks you off from receiving from the father when you've put off this performance like you have no need for him. You know, one of the things you mentioned before about time
0: and uh, how your children only have a limited amount of time with you. Yeah, Time is a created thing. Mm -hmm. And I started, I had a different experience with time, but it affected me, was as I was getting older... And I graduated, well, graduated, I guess I you know, like retired, <laughs> and, and entered this new world of like media, God's showing me, I want you to get in media, but yeah. content, because I want you to get it out there, mm. um, starting with children's books and the podcasts and articles and so on and so forth. But I started getting this sense because I was getting older, yeah. but I didn't have much time left mm. to walk into my calling and destiny. Wow. And that was getting me a little anxious. Yeah. And the Lord said to me, Tom, don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. This time you have on the earth is just practice. Right. When you get into your calling and destiny, you're going to take that with you for all eternity. Wow. He says, so the things that you're doing yeah. that I'm asking you to do now mm-hmm. on this side of the veil, yeah. you're going to continue to do it wow. in, the heaven, wow. you know, in the kingdom on the other side of the veil. So don't worry, you get, you think you got twenty years left, or Yeah, yeah. Years. It does thirty years, it doesn't matter right how many natural years you think you have here is irrelevant. Right. Because when you come into the kingdom there is no time right. and you'll continue to do the activities that you're doing. Yeah. And boy, would that relief release me
1: yeah. from, from the anxiety of feeling that I had a limited amount of time. Like you're left. chasing something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, it's so good. I mean, it just it really put my heart at ease. And it made me feel like, okay, Lord, I really have an incredible opportunity to not just be a recipient of the father's atmosphere and the father's love, Mm -hmm. but I get to now be a cultivator of that atmosphere and of that love. And, uh, you know, we came back and we immediately went right into a a young adult retreat that we were hosting Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I had no agenda for the entire weekend, except to make sure that every single person left, feeling like they didn't have to hide themselves. For the benefit
0: of our audience, how would you use words to articulate that calling? Is there Mm -hmm. a way you could describe it to them in a way that you think that they could uh, relate to it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's an articulation that can happen within it. I think one of the things that, I think one of the things that I think is is something that's not super popular, and it's not um, it's, it's it's gaining some popularity among some of the major thought leaders in the church, and, and especially during the times of pandemic and COVID, um, just because so much disruption and discomfort and pain was uh, and grief was just just un- unbeknownst just ushered into every single human being's life on this planet. And, um, everybody was so disrupted in just a moment by something that was so far outside their control. And, uh, and, and, and ultimately one of the things is, is that like, we have given permission for people to be sad or angry. You know, one of the things that happened at this retreat that just, <laughs> when I, when they said to me, it's different, you know, I got to experience the difference, but I also got to observe the difference. Mm-hmm. One of these men, you know, stood up, and you know they were they were like, "Oh, does anybody have any time to talk?" And he stood up, and he and he just started like saying like "f you, f you." I'm not talking, so don't even f and call on me. f bombs like not using that, but using the actual word. And I remember thinking like, "How are we gonna come out of this one?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of laughing on the inside. This is, this is a very holy, but yeah. But I'm sitting here <laughs> going like, "Wow, like huh, okay, like I wonder how he's gonna he's gonna." pull us out of this tailspin. And, that's, and, and he just sat there in his chair. The guy who's leaving this event, he looks at him. And he's like, I'm just so glad that you felt safe enough to express that. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it was like, once that was not out of the way, but gone through, the whole room, we all went through with him. Right. <laughs> because we were all kind of like, <laughs> he's kind of sucked the air out of the room with just the first F-bomb, yeah. let alone the five others that followed it. But because he went through it, and nobody rejected him in the midst of it, but everybody stayed present with him, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe the healing that this man received in just a split second, just because he didn't have to hide how angry and uncomfortable he was with being in that room with a whole bunch of people he didn't know. And he knew the guy that was leading it because he invited him, and he looked right at him and he went, F you, man, and I'm not even talking, so don't call on me. And I mean... He didn't even bat an eye, just looked right at him and was like, I'm so glad that you can express this. And, and just the expression of it opened up an area of freedom in this man's life that he might not have experienced. You know, he might have experienced it in the world. Was this the first day of the... Retreat? This was the first night. First night. The first night. So what happened during the next couple of days? Oh my gosh, this guy just came out of his shell and like... I would love to say that the vulgarity stopped, but they didn't. <laughs> the guy's an auto mechanic, and he's like, hey, man, if you don't cuss, they think you're holier than thou, and they don't even want to work for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. He goes, I love Jesus. Don't worry. Uh, and uh, I would love to say the vulgarity stopped, but it was just kind of the way his habitual language was. It comes out. But, man, I, I saw the most tender. In fact, the next morning was when I had the encounter with the Father's love. And he saw it happen in the spirit, came and stood behind me, put his arms around me mm-hmm. and told me that he was just wanted to bless what the Lord was doing because he was watching it happen. I mean, so I hope he didn't use the F No, he didn't. <laughs> it might've sucked me right out of that. encounter. Uh, <laughs> so it was one of those things where, you know, I really watched a person, you know, in, in give a person given permission mm-hmm. to be themselves, regardless of whether it's, Happy and you're prophesying and praying over people or whether or not you're just flat out frustrated with life, angry, disgruntled, dealing with bitterness mm-hmm. and dealing with just tons of pain, mm-hmm. um, you know, permission to be yourself and a permission to bring who you are and where you're at to the table. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, a father doesn't care what the son's doing as long as he's in the house. Right? right. I mean, I just, I remember my dad telling me that when I was, I was, you know, I, I don't, I, I haven't always been the knight in shining armor. I, um, I, I was arrested in college and facing three felonies, just a part of my testimony, my story. And my dad really, my dad and mine's relationship has always been strong, but it really got like father and son strong bonded during the season because I needed my dad mm-hmm. and my dad knew that I needed him because I was coming out of addiction. I was coming out about a lot of crazy stuff and at the same time facing three felonies and facing 30 years of prison, to be totally honest with you. And so uh, my dad's worst nightmare was coming true. One of his sons could potentially go to prison. And, um, I think almost any father's, you know, worst nightmare. And, um, uh, my that, dad just, that'll be, that'll die. yeah, right. You know, two of the, you know, the two of the worst things I, you know, it's like the worst, your, if your brain goes to the worst potential situation, it's, it's that. And, um, And my dad really came alongside me and, um, you know, he showed me that, you know, he said the number one thing was this, as he said, he said, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to help you. We're going to get you a really good attorney, but you are going to listen to me. And he said, and then when you're in my house, he said, Jordan, he said, listen, he's like, I'm I'm not going to hold this against you for what you did, but he's like, you will make it right. And I remember my dad looked at me and he goes, he goes, listen, it's just important that you're home during this time. So he moved me out of my college house and moved me home because he's like, I'm not going to have you outside of my house. You need to be in my home right now. Even though I was so ticked off, wanted nothing to do with being at home because it meant all of my freedoms were gone. <laughs> all of my freedoms I didn't want anybody to know about were gone. And, uh, and now I just had to be at home. But I'll tell you what, it was the most one of the most healing times in my entire life was just being at home. If I'd have known that it was going to be prophetic, mm-hmm. I would have probably had this encounter 10 years ago, but I didn't. And I just kind of took advantage mm-hmm. of the father's house, my dad's house in that season, but it did get me right back on track.
0: Sure. Well, it's a classic, I guess, prodigal son story. Totally. That you know affected you that way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, hmm. That's good. And now uh, I, uh Met your dad, and I,
1: mm-hmm.
0: now he's helping me out. Yeah, yeah, he's Maybe a good something, man. Something he's oh, a good for our, for our minute. I don't call it father's I don't call it ministry. Call it media. Yeah, it seems like it's becoming more of a ministry, and I. It's awesome. I don't know what it is. It's whatever. whatever God
1: wants you to define it. So I would say, yeah, the encounter with the Lord really has 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 revolutionized not just my destiny and calling, because I think this is all of our destiny and calling is to release the atmosphere of the Father. And um, it's it's going to impact my destiny and calling because I don't feel like my destiny and calling would be as fulfilling as I know the Lord wants it to be without being able to carry on that Jesus model of revealing the Father, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's what he came to do. He came to reveal his Father.
0: Well, the Lord showed me that all of our callings and destiny are connected in some way, Mm -hmm. some shape, some form with the Our Father. Yeah. Thy kingdom come, will thy be will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. So whatever the how the he individually crafts that yeah. and forms that in us, the end point is still the same. Right, right. As bring right. heaven on the earth. Right. It's so good. And I, I think that, you know, I mean
1: if it was the main point of Jesus' ministry, it should be the main point of all of our calls, Is mm-hmm. to reveal the Father. You know? And um that's open. what he did with all, all of his parables. we the kingdom. Yeah. we the father. Yeah.
0: All this, And then the disciples asked him, how do we pray? He said, our, our father. father. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, you know, it's not a rote prayer that he wants us to keep repeating, right. but it's the process. It's the prototypical. Exactly. Type of prayer. Yeah. That's involved with those things. Yeah. Um, aspects of those things that are always part of any, one of our prayers. Yeah. Should be involved with. Yeah. So, um, Okay, it's great to be yourself and, and helping your children be that way and not yeah. to strive. Yeah, I mean, my,
1: one of my biggest struggles growing up, and it's why it was so healing for me, is, is I embraced a performance spirit at a really young age. Um, always been good-looking, athletic, charismatic kid, and um, always really loved people. I don't know. <laughs> I had kids. Um, <laughs> and, I, and then, you know, my nice brown hair turns to... Salt and pepper at the ripe old age of 24. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, I remember, I forgot what I was saying.
0: Um, we were talking about, um, you know, you were raised
1: with this. Oh yeah. Monster. I embraced the performance spirit at a really young age. You know, being cool was the most important thing mm-hmm. to me as a kid. And uh, I remember, you know, if it wasn't, you know, it was popularity or, 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 or nothing for me, and um, so you can you can imagine how <laughs> how detrimental that can be to be embrace that at such a young age, and uh, and ultimately this experience with the father's heart just really just it, it, it set this whole thing in motion where I began to see that like I need to call out who my kids are all the time. Mm-hmm. to tell them who they're at so that they don't ever feel this temptation to embrace this performed version of mm-hmm. themselves. because you know if there's one thing we know you know the 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 calling that the lord has for you for wherever you're at or whoever you are uh, a performed version of yourself can't contain the glory that you're called to reveal sure it, it'll fracture you it'll crack you and it, it, it... it actually repels right the glory itself
0: right, right. anytime you have that present then the genuine love that God has for us
1: cannot be imparted to us. Right. It's just a performed version. And so how important it is for us and, you know, for for me as a father to keep my kids on track with who they are Mm -hmm. and not let even the things like, you know, it's so funny. I always, (laughs) I always say this, like my kids are beautifully quirky and, Mm -hmm. and themselves. And like, Mm you realize that like people begin to act and look and do all of these things the same, not because that's actually who they are, but because they've learned that that's accepted. It's almost as if they've been programmed that way. Yes. And, and and because when you travel. watch a room of children, you literally re- – you you notice the nuances in their personalities and the differences in who they are. And all of three of my kids all came from the same parents, but, man, are all three of them different. Right. Different color hair. All of them got blue eyes. But, um, you know, personality traits just up and down all over the place. And, uh, and really, like, it's my job to not let my kids embrace a performed version of themselves. Sure. And so I've just been doing – my due diligence with that, but but also, you know, it it flows from the atmosphere that f- comes from us even when we're not speaking. You know, the things. You know, all of our kids. One one of my neighbors. I'll never forget this one. First week living in Southeast D.C. The neighbor I shared the alleyway with. He's got a granddaughter, and um, you know, he was telling me. I was like, Yeah, I got two kids. We had just had Zay. Kelsey just had Zay, and we had just moved into a new place, and it was our first home purchase, and. It's a big deal. And I'm uh, talking with my neighbor and he goes, man, it's like, I just forgot. If there's one thing I forgot is how embarrassing a kid, uh, how embarrassed a kid can make you. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, dude, he's like, they'll just do stuff that just straight embarrasses you, like throw a giant tantrum in the middle of the grocery store. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. seen that happen before. haven't experienced that yet, but you're right. He's like, man, you just forget how much a kid can humble you. And I'm like, yeah. And I, I remember thinking in the moment. I haven't experienced that yet. And uh, a couple weeks ago, about two months ago, uh, I get a text from Kelsey while I'm at the church and she says, you need to come and deal with the children. I said, what's going on? And she said, I don't even want to tell you over text. I'm just going to wait for you to come home and just know that they're waiting for you to come home because you have to talk with them about something. Okay, cool. So I'm impatient. I call Kelsey on the way home and I go, tell me what happened. She goes, well, she said all three of our kids were playing on the back parking pad. And she said, and uh, one of them was had picked up some rocks and was throwing them up over the fence. And she said, "I obviously didn't see her. I'd asked them to stop it." And um, and one of the rocks hit Bruce, my neighbor in the alleyway's car, who parks out behind his house too. And Bruce yelled over, "Hey, who's doing that? Knock it off!" In which my six-year-old daughter yelled back, "You're a stranger. We don't have to listen to you." <laughs> Hey, you well, you're well trained. <laughs> And Bruce goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> and when he yelled, oh, yeah, Kelsey heard him from upstairs. That's how loud it was. And came out and said, It's what's going on? What's going on? He tells her. She apologizes, gets their rear ends inside, and then says, dad's the only one I get home. And um, when she tells me this story, the overwhelming thought that comes into my head is. That's my kid's that's my kids. And he was right. They have a way of embarrassing you that you will never truly understand until you're in it. And, um, but when I went home, I, my kids, you know, they all, you know, like any child, they think the worst is going to happen. I came home and I looked right at him and I said, Hey, listen, I'm not mad at you because you were you. I'm mad at you because you were operating outside of you, you were operating as a, as a way that you're not like, Israel, you know not to throw rocks, first thing, let alone throw rocks over a seven-foot fence at our neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. And I said, and Jovi, you know Mr. Bruce." And so, yeah, you're high justice. And yeah, you were protecting your brother, and I think that's great. But your protection kind of flipped to sassiness of being really disrespectful and very rude. And she was like, I know, Dad. And it just, like, it just grabbed a hold of this really intense conversation where... I remember being in certain situations like this as a kid, because I did a lot of really dumb stuff as a kid too. And I remember that the parenting feeling that I walk away from with is, is I need to just behave better. And what that's quickly turned into with just a little bit of twisting from the enemy was I need to perform, And so I'm coming into this situation and I'll, I the last feeling I want is my kids to walk out of this situation with me, their dad, reprimanding them for a very poor choice and
0: yeah but you're just kids right you know and the all little of things exactly really
1: but just affirming them and instead of just coming down so hard on them and causing them to it's not I didn't necessarily want the behavior change because the spirit behind the behavior was okay my son he's curious he's he, 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 he likes to project everything. Whether it be a rock, a basketball, or a baseball, the last thing I want is him to stop exploring sports because I love sports. If he wants to be an athlete, I'm all for him to be an athlete. But I'd hate for him throwing something become like, oh, I'm not supposed to throw any. And so even the way that I parent became, well, the most affected way, but also at the same time, just creating a culture within my home where even my correction to them doesn't cause them to stray into that performance side.
0: How do you well? think that experience you've had with your own children <laughs> correlates to God's
1: experience with us? <laughs> it, it genuinely is one of these things that I think of almost all the time when I get super annoyed with my kids. Yeah. Because every parent does. And if you're a parent and you're listening, I know you can I know you can relate with me. I'll never forget, I was just so impatient with my kid, my second son, Zalus, when he was potty trained. he tends to be my more spacey child and you know he's the kid that every time he peed his pants we'd say didn't you feel like you have to go and he'd say yeah but i forgot <laughs> and i'd say how do you forget you have to pee and um so we were going through this whole spree where you know he's kind of potty trained but not really And we were getting ready to go somewhere and I said to Zaylus, hey, son, do you have to pee? And he was sitting on our carpeted steps. The rest of our house is hardwood floors on the main level. And he's sitting on the carpeted steps. And I say, son, do you have to pee? And he says, no, dad, I don't have to go. And I said, okay, cool. I'm going to go upstairs and get my shoes on. And as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, he yells, dad, I peed my pants. And I come downstairs and I lose my cool on him. Because I had just asked him if he had to pee and he told me he didn't. But then as soon as I'm five seconds away from MEP's and his pants on our carpeting. On and so the carpeting. on the carpeting, of course. And so it turned into we're walking out the door to, I now have a 30 minute delay while I clean the carpeting, change your clothes, do all these things. I lose my cool on them. And I, for an hour afterwards, am just purely impatient with him. And the Lord says to me, aren't you so glad I'm not impatient with you? And I just heard him and I was like, I just started crying so hard because I realized like The the amount of times I do exactly what my son did to me to the Lord probably happens on a daily basis. Or the Lord says to me, hey, Jordan, are you okay? And I say back to him, yeah, I'm fine. And then within 45 seconds, I've put my foot in my mouth because I've truly expressed how I'm really doing. And the Lord was just trying to help me deal with where I'm currently at so that I don't have these unhealthy outbursts or unfiltered situations where I just put my foot in my mouth and I just realized I was like oh my goodness you are such a good dad you are so patient with me and you have let me learn how to be your son and you've not demanded that I behave a certain way for you to feel proud of me and to claim me as your own and so I just I, I kind of you know I wish I would say that I stopped parenting that way that day I didn't um But I've been trying. I've been really trying every single time to just slow myself down and say like, I don't want a performed son. I don't want a son that knows how to act like a good son, but deep down is really hurting and in pain or is frustrated or is battling with tons of insecurity or is battling with just identity issues or anything. Really, anything. There's more things that are going on within kids' heads today than ever before. Sure. And, and, And the last thing I want is... For them to feel like they have to perform sonship or daughtership around me. I got you. You understand what I'm saying? Rather than being able to be comfortable with really what is going on inside. Right. You know, um, when I did retire, uh, one of the conversations I had with the Lord was,
0: uh, how could I have been a better father? Mm. And uh, he spoke to me and and, uh, you could have helped your children overcome their fears. Wow. Because I always find that whenever you, whenever we confront, um, or something happening with a child where they're going off, Mm -hmm. see, it always has to do with a worry, anxiety, or fear thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to take them off track. Right. So, um, how can I help them with their fears? And I said, well, they're all grown up now; they're out of the house. Yeah. How can I deal with that? And he said, well, you could help your grandchildren. Wow. And that was the incipience of grandfather's. Uh, wow. A lot of Tom Stale's grandfather's bedtime stories for the grandchildren. Okay. And it wasn't just for my children or my grandchildren. It was supposed to get out there into the world. Yeah. Because all of them have these different experiences. Sure. By the way, come Kelsey, your kids love my books. Though. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then dealing with the 12 stories was to deal with each with a separate fear. Mm-hmm. And the first one, start the Lord gave me was to deal with identity first. Wow. Identity is the first one. Yeah. Um, then we're going to get into the spirit of confusion, which has to do with transgender. Okay. And things like that. But, um, and all very, very relevant practical things mm. uh, or, or aspects of thoughts that um, try to control us. Or try yeah. to, the enemy tries to control us, he tries to get us off track. And where he's trying to get us off track is to try to get us away mm. from God's love.
1: Yeah.
0: And God's always trying to get us back.
1: Right, right. Not right. force us back. Exactly draw us back. Yeah. But by just being good to us, right. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Yes. And, um, you know, it's incredible how much we, we, we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, act like the father in the way that we've received the father or experienced the father. You know, we've yeah. never experienced this judgment, All right. all judgments been given unto the son, but the son judges no one, you know, you know, I was having that conversation with somebody
0: before because, um, the, uh, a lot of people still think as believers that they're going to go before the great white throne judgment seat. Yeah. And I was talking to the Lord about that. He says, no. He says, you're not going to go before the great uh, white throne judgment seat. Other people are, but you're not. Mm. And I said, well, I guess you're going to go before the mercy seat Right. right. And I said, "Because what Jesus did for me and for you. Yeah. We've already, in a sense, been judged. Yeah. And the price of our the justice has already been meted yeah. out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's the mercy seat that we go before. Right. I had a friend of mine believe that martyrs would go before the mercy seat, but the rest of us are going really to go before. You see there's this aspect of really not knowing the Father's mm. heart. Uh, on the way here, I was listening to a, a podcast, reading some things, and they were talking about the vaccination. Yeah. And they were saying, well, now uh, you have to be vaccinated like four times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and We'll get into all that in this podcast thing, but I thought about friends of mine who had received the, the vaccination, yeah, which I really believe has bad stuff in it, mm-hmm. and it's really meant by evil mm-hmm. to control us, mm-hmm. and that nobody should be taking the vaccine, but many have, yeah, many of my friends many believers, right? For Christmas, have whether it's or not, is not that, bad. yeah, taking it, and so, mm-hmm. um, I thought the original thought that happened to me was, of. oh. You Know all these bad things are about to happen to them, you know. Uh, pretty legs wide, and kiss your butt goodbye. <laughs> and I'm thinking of all these thoughts, yeah. And God spoke to me, He says, Why don't you just pray hmm. that all the effects with the graphene oxide and the thing that's in yeah. the, the vaccine, um, would not have their intended effect, right? He says, Am I not powerful enough, right? To take away. All the negative effects of the vaccine, those who have taken unknowingly. Right. How many tens of millions of people have taken the vaccine unknowingly? Yeah. And the evil one has had his intent behind it? Sure. But out of my why don't you pray for my mercy? Yeah. Why do you must you think that um because they made a mistake, as you see it as a mistake, they don't see they right. don't think it at all. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um but that I can't overwhelm that. Yeah. Overpower that uh-huh. with my grace and with my mercy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the heart of my dad. Yep, that's what he wanted to do. So I started declaring it far. Anyway. So good, and they would be free of that because that's the way he is. Exactly. You know, we have this old sense in our natural minds because of the way we do the program, programmed. We want justice, right? We want, and we want have people held accountable. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so mad at Hillary Clinton. I want her to be held accountable, mm-hmm. and all these different things. you yeah. You know? And there is a place for justice. Don't get caught. And right. Justice will happen, but it, there's a part of God's heart where He wants them to repent. Yeah. He wants them to repent. And, and a lot of times I think it, it, He's holding off doing the things He's doing. Just getting an opportunity, an opportunity, an opportunity to repent. Yeah. Because
1: uh, He desires
0: to have mercy.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a verse in Romans chapter 2. That talks about um, what will happen at uh, the, the great judgment when it talks about, he says this, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath and revelation of righteous judgment of God, who will repay each person according to his deeds to those who by perseverance in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. And I've always thought that like, it means to it. The first description of those who get eternal life, persevere in doing good. And isn't that the behavior of the father? It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance or his patient goodness that leads us to repentance. And he's like, would you just be patient and just do good to people? That's how I am to you all the time. I'm extremely patient and I always show you my goodness. So just... Be like that. That's eternal life. That's what grants you eternal life. Carry on the Father's behavior towards you. Now you just be a proponent. It's like when Philip asked Jesus, when are you going to show us the Father? Right. And Jesus says, I'm well, along my
0: event for you. Right. If you see me, you see the Father. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, I think that uh, we need to bring this podcast mm. to a close. I mean, we could probably talk all day. I know. It's true. <laughs> i do not sure if our listeners can listen all day long. Agreed. They have a certain uh, window of uh, mm. listening procedures. So uh, we want to thank our listeners for uh, listening today. And we want to encourage you to go to um, share this podcast or any of our podcasts that we have with other people that um, you believe would uh, be benefit from them. And you can find us at thefathersheartmedia.com and Papatonstails.com for the books. Actually, the father's heart media really has overwhelmed the other uh, uh, other website because it's also linked to that. And uh, the last one is patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, forward slash father's heart. And through the agency of Jordan's dad, we are now going to be presenting hats. That says make men fathers again. Come on. And make God father again. And she has a spin off of MAGA. Make America great again. Mm-hmm. But it has more of the spiritual implications to that. So we thank you for joining us and we look forward to next time. Mm-hmm. Take care.